Uh, you know, for example, if, my, if, my, if I'm walking down the road with my brother, and this dog comes running up to us barking, and my brother gets down to pet this dog, and the dog licks him, I'm probably going to do the same thing, right? I'm going to get down there, and I'm going to pet this dog that's licking me. But if this dog comes charging up and bites my brother in the hand, what do you think I'm going to do? Please don't say I'm going to stick my hand in the dog's mouth to get bit. Because I, I learned by watching what somebody else did. If my brother wants to invest some money, and he, he invests it, and he makes a lots of money at, with the stock market or however else he chooses to invest it, I might be persuaded to do the same thing because I'm learning by experience to say that is a good idea. But if he takes all his life savings, dumps it into some kind of account, and he loses it all, anybody here think I'm going to do the same thing? No, because I learned from, from watching him that what he learned from experience was a very bad thing to do. And Paul, today, he's going to be telling the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30, he says, uh, I know you guys have seen what I have gone through. And I, I'm, I'm guessing he's telling them that I, I want you to learn from experience that this is what kinds of things you will go through, but I don't want you to base your decision based off of what happens to me. Because where is Paul right now? Paul is in prison, right? He's in prison in Rome. He's been there for upwards of four years. He's, he's, he's been beaten. He's been falsely accused. He's had uh, lots of rough times. And the natural response would be, I don't have to learn this lesson the hard way. I can learn this the easy way. Paul said, I'm going to follow Jesus, and this is what happens to him. I think I'll pass. I'll, I'll be a quiet Christian. But he says, no, whatever happens to me, whether I get out of here scot-free or whether I uh, die here in prison, uh, the same outcome is supposed to be the same. He says, uh, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You, you learn from my experience what can happen, but don't let that persuade you from being willing to do the same thing. Let's pray again and ask God's, God's blessing on this. God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your patience with us uh, as we go through life. I know sometimes we're stubborn on the things that we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. God, I know we can be intimidated by what happens to other people, good or bad, and I just pray that, God, we would have the courage to do the right thing no matter what, because it's the right thing to do. God, I do pray for your words to say right now, to speak your truth as, as good as I can. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so first thing we're going to see is we as a church need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel as, of Christ. And that's what Paul tells them almost word for word in 27. It says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The verse before, he's talking about uh, the verses before we saw last week, he's in prison, he might get out, he might not. He says, it really doesn't matter what happens to me. Only make sure that you are conducting yourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, this word conduct, you, you probably get the idea that this is uh, the actions that I take, the things that I choose to do. But the word for conduct is actually the word citizenship. And it involves living as a free citizen or as a, as a good citizen. It's, it's the idea of conducting oneself according to the customs and the laws of a state. Noah, right now, is 13 and a half years old. Next year, at this time, he'll be 14 and a half years old. In Montana, he is allowed to get a driver's permit. That's fair warning, a year in advance, to be on your guard. If, if you're out there driving, love you. <laughs> but in Washington State, you have to be 15 and a half years old to get a, a driver's permit. So we, 
Noah, if he's, if he's going to live in Montana, he can start driving at 14 and a half. But he's in Washington, he's got to be 15 and a half years old. He can't say, well, I grew up, I was born in Washington, so I should be able to, in, in uh, Montana, it should be different. It's like, no, he's a part of this state. He has to follow the laws of the state. You think about people who go, live in another country. What side of the road do they drive on? The wrong side, right? <laughs> I don't know which side. It's the wrong side. You, when they come here to America, what do we want them to do? We want them to follow the rules of our road because this is where they are currently at. And Paul is telling these people, you know, he says, you guys are in Philippi. I am in Rome. Philippi is a colony of Rome. It's a long distance away, but it's under the Roman rule. He says, you guys in Rome, you guys speak the language of the Romans, which is Latin or Greek. You guys know how to dress the way that they dress. You guys know how to follow those rules as if you were actually living in Rome itself. That's as, as the way it was, even though it is so far away. And he says, actually, you guys are citizens of the kingdom of God. Yes, you're citizens in Rome, which is like a, a part of the being, or you're citizens in Philippi, which is like being a citizen in Rome. But really, you guys are citizens of the kingdom of God, and you guys need to conduct yourself. You guys need to act. You need to respond in a way that would make God happy in the kingdom of heaven. That means their speech needs to be nice. They need to be fair in their dealings. They need to be honest. They need to work hard. And that's easy to do. It's easy for them to be a king, uh, citizen of Philippi, which is part of being like a citizen of Rome, and also a citizen of the kingdom of God for like 95% of it. But sometimes those things come into conflict where when you're trying to be a citizen of Rome and you're trying to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, they don't mesh well together because you, they get to the point where they have to choose one or the other. One example might be how they, they treat the, uh, the Roman emperor. They would have to honor the emperor as God. You can't serve two different gods, right? Either you're following what the Romans want and worshiping the emperor, or you're being a citizen of God and you're, and you're worshiping God. They're, they have to decide. And so Paul ultimately is saying, Yes, you are a citizen in Rome, uh, of Rome, even though you're so far away in this little province of Philippi. You're ultimately a uh, citizen of heaven, even though you're on earth. It's so far away, you know how to follow these guidelines that God has set up for us. And, and he says that you need to do this. You need to do a good job of living for the kingdom of God as if the kingdom of God was here. Make sure that the way you look, the way that you speak, the way that you respond to situations, your work ethic is going to make God happy even though you are here on earth because ultimately you are a citizen there. He says, conduct yourselves. Let your behavior be worthy of those who are pledged to Christ. Think about uh, a, young a young couple that's engaged. They're all googly-eyed over each other, and then all of a sudden one eye starts to wander you know, and they're separated from each other for a big amount of time. And, and this, this guy starts noticing all these other girls. This girl's being really faithful. Well, it's like, you're pledged to be together. This is like a total, complete no-no. Uh, just put the, the idea together that we are, we're, um, that we need to make sure that we are, we're pledged to Christ, that we're making sure that our life here on earth is worthy of the salvation that we are going to receive. I mean, Ephesians 4 uh, chapter 1, it talks about uh, worthy, and I have to uh, give credit to Dr. David Jeremiah, 
I'll probably do that a lot just for fun. Uh, but it, it uses the word worthy. It says, therefore, or I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. And David Jeremiah says that worthy means a balance, as su suggesting a scale. You know, you're, when you have, you want to have the, the, the two, if I'm going to play gold for, for a, uh, a piece of goods, you want it to be equal. And he says, your good behavior needs to try to equal what Jesus has done for you. Right? Because some people get, they, they, you get, Jesus did all this for me, but they live way up here. This is the, how much weight of what Jesus did, and they live up here as if Jesus didn't do anything. But my effort should be to try to make that balance so that what I do equals this worthy of what, uh, what Jesus has done for me. You're not trying to earn your salvation. You're not trying to be good enough. But you're trying to make what you do balance what Jesus has done for you. And our goal is to become more like Jesus every day. Now, the church in Plevna, and I'm only saying the church in Plevna because we're the only ones here, right? The church in Baker is not here, even though the church in Baker needs to do the same thing. The church in Davenport, where it came from, needs to do the same thing, is we need to make sure we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are citizens here on earth, right? We are citizens of the United States, of Montana. We're citizens of this little town of Plevna. And we, I, for, for what I know about all of you, is you try to be a good citizen. You, you try to pay your taxes. Uh, you, you follow the rules of the road. Uh, you don't trespass on private property because that's what a good citizen does. It just follows the rules. I don't like the rules. I do like the rules. But these are what the rules are, and so these are what I'm going to follow because I am a good citizen of the United States. And we know how to do, that, to do a, a good job at that. But that same train of thought needs to apply to our citizenship in heaven. Philippi, where Paul is writing to these people, was a long ways away from Rome. But they knew how to live like they were in Rome so far away. My citizenship is in heaven. I have not been to heaven yet. It is a long ways away, but I need to live as if my citizenship meant something to me now. I need to live as if my citizenship is in heaven, and whatever I'm required to do and asked to do from there is what I need to do here. So my speech, my actions, the way I respond to situations um, should be showing this world that I am different and, and that Jesus is the, the difference. That balance that Paul is talking about with the people in Ephesians, I should be seeing how does my life compare to the weight of what Jesus did for me? Am I, my, am I trying as hard as I can to make that more of a balanced scale, or am I just saying, thank you, Jesus, and I'm just off part, you know, doing whatever I want to do? We know how to submit to this earthly temporary citizenship. We know how to do a good job. We need to submit to our heavenly citizenship and do an even better job. And this is something that some people strive to do really, really well. And maybe everybody in here strives to do really, really well. I'm, I'm a citizen on earth. I follow all the rules of the earth, of, the, of my country, and I'm a citizen in heaven. And I, I do that all. Uh, I follow those guidelines that God has set in his word as good as I possibly can. Maybe that's all of us in here. But this isn't something that uh, Paul, when he's writing to, this, to the Philippians, he's not saying this is supposed to be just one or two of you. This isn't supposed to just be this little part of the church or that little part of the church. This is supposed to be everybody. Verse 27, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs, the way that you're living out your life, 
that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So when he's talking about doing this, standing, uh, living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, he's not talking about just Anita doing that by herself. Anita does it great by herself, but then you go, well, Josh, he's not really doing such a hot job, and, and someone else, I can't pick on anybody for that because that's not fair to say, you know, Caleb isn't doing that. You know, it's, it's just something that's supposed to be everybody all together. And the two things he's trying to encourage the Philippian church to do, he says, I want you to stand together, and I want you to work together. And you get the idea that this is a group effort. This isn't just a few people trying to do this. He's talking to the whole Philippian church and saying, you guys are a family. You guys are a team. You guys should be unified. You should be stationary. You should be as one man. Now, the word that's used there for, for as one spirit is like the word one. We have one microphone, right? When two people get married, the two become one flesh. You have, of course, you have more than one person, but everything that my wife do and I do together should be in agreement. We should be working together on how we raise our kids and, and how we spend our money and, and what plans we're making for our future. It's supposed to be as one. You think about the, back in the day, the picture was of soldiers who were working together to defend uh, like defend an army or a castle, and you have uh, this whole group of guys lined up. Their feet are like, like planted like they're not going to move. They have their shields unified so that nothing is going to get through. If one person gets shot, what happens? Uh-oh, we got a hole we got to fill, right? It gets all of a sudden the dam starts to break, and then it just gets easier and easier for the enemy to get through. You think about football. Football season's coming up, right? You got the defensive line. As long as that everybody who's in the box works together and they stay unified, nobody's going to get through that running back and hit that wall and hit that wall. But once there's there's a a, a link that a weak link, or once there's a hole, that running back's going to go through and go for a touchdown. You don't want that. The running back might go around, but he is not getting through. He's saying, "I want you to be unified in that very same way. Be steadfast in the faith and the profession of Christ." They were not to be silent. They were not to be stopped. They were not supposed to let persecution or the fear of persecution start, uh, stop them. You know, if, if you have a group of people and, and one person, they all start out as a team, and then one person gives in or one person says, I'm not, it's not worth it anymore, what's that do to the morale of everybody else? Right? It makes them say, well, it's not really that big a deal, or, well, you know, Josh just wimped out. I guess I'm going to step away too. You know, it kind of makes me think of... Uh, like how you guys might feel in church today. You know, if you're here and it's like it's great to, to be here, and, but you think about the people who aren't here today. Does that discourage anybody ever? Like how come people aren't here? And it, it just makes it easier and easier. Once one person's gone, it makes it easier for the other people. I'm not saying you have to be at church every week. I just want to cement this idea in your head that we are on a team. We are unified. We got to stick together. And that's what Paul's trying to convince them to do. Whatever happens to me, good or bad, you guys stay together as a unified team. You stand together. Verse 28 says, don't be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. He says, opposition is going to come. If you guys are trying to uh, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, people are not going to like it. They are going to try to stop you. Paul's in prison. People are trying to stop him. And he says, do not let that stop you. So they're supposed to stand together but they're also supposed to work together. Verse 27, it says, 
stand fast in one spirit, so that's where they're standing, and then with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's showing they need to be unified in their efforts, that they need to be working together. You know, for them, that might be having house churches. They weren't allowed to have, like, big buildings where a whole bunch of Christians could get together because the Romans were afraid that you could get a bunch of people together and then they could revolt against the authority. So if you could just keep little pockets of people, it was a lot easier to keep control of them. So they would have house churches. They might have home Bible studies. Uh, they might be meeting people in the marketplace, going door to door, uh, doing whatever they could to connect with people, all with the idea in mind that I want to get the gospel out there. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. An ambassador is a representative of, of like, if we have someone who goes to another country, they're representing, whether people realize it or not, we're representing to Europe what America is like. If we go over there and we're skunks, they're going to think this is what Americans are like. Uh, and I'm sure we get the same view. If we have people come into our town that are a different culture and they treat our town poorly, what do we kind of think about all of them? We kind of think they don't care either. It's just that culture. And it says we are ambassadors for Christ. We're supposed to have this uh, be the picture of what Christ is to other people and the way we speak and the way we act, the way we respond to situations. And it was a message that they were supposed to get out there and they were supposed to share together. The church in Plevna, the church in Davenport, the church as a whole across the whole United States needs to be united as one. You know, unity is a big deal. We need to stand together. I, I don't want anybody in here to ever feel like I'm doing this alone. I'm doing Awana by myself. I'm teaching Sunday school by myself. I'm I, on the deacon board by myself. I want this the way I think Paul wants it is that we are unified, that we do not feel like we're doing it alone. We're doing it together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, which it's easy. I'm just one person. It would be pretty easy to defeat me. Uh, but it says um, two can defend themselves. You know, you got the people back to back where at least we got a, a fighting chance against somebody. Then it says the cord of three is not quickly broken. Paul knows that there is strength in numbers. And we all know that too. We know that there is strength in numbers. So we got to stick together as, as a team, together. The thing we also have to remember, though, is we are ambassadors for Christ, but also that what we do has an impact on everybody else. You know, I, I was thinking of some crazy examples. I'm going to pick on Blaine because he's in just the right spot. That's all. I thought it was going to be Sharon. Uh, when I was about 12 years old, I think I've told you guys this story where I had this really runny uh, whipped cream pie. That, and I was supposed to, it was a pie social. It was about trying to get people to church because whoever raised the most money, uh, someone got to stick a pie in their face. And so whoever got the most money, uh, they, they, they drew numbers out of a hat. And so it was just like, it was a fundraiser for a mission trip. Well, I was supposed to make sure everybody understood this. And so my dad, I was supposed to act like I was going to go like that and go like this instead. Well, I was 12 years old. I was 13. My dad got honorary. I went like this. And it landed all over Blaine. Except for Blaine was like a 65-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops, dumb. Now, I felt like an idiot. and There's no place to hide. I'm up on the stage. Who else do you think felt like an idiot? My parents. <laughs> The look on my mom's face as she tried to get something to help clean it up. 
My dad, the next day, went out there with his tail between his legs to go apologize to these people, you know, because what I did had an embarrassing factor on them. What we do has an impact on other people, football teams or sports teams. You have this player that gets in trouble for domestic abuse or for a drug policy or, or anything like that. At some point, the team says, okay, we're done with you. We, we don't want to look like the, the wife beater team. You know, we don't want to look like we're, we're the, the uh, criminal team, so we're going to distance ourselves from you. And that team, or that guy probably gets picked up by another team and keeps going. But this team says, we don't want to be associated with that because that's the kind of persona we're, we're giving if we live that way. Uh, if you remember the Dixie Chicks back in 2003 went over to Europe, and it, it was Dixie Chicks were kind of an up-and-coming uh, country band, and I liked some of their songs. And I'd heard at some point in life that they spoke bad against the president and said, we're ashamed that he's from Texas. Well, it's like no big deal to them. They're at this concert. Well, somebody's taking notes, puts it in the paper, and before you know it, it's back in America, and all these people are saying, get that, that uh, group off the radio. We don't want them. We don't want to listen to them. We don't want their CDs. We're going to boycott anything about them because they are proud of America. They say, this is where we're from. They're a bad representative of what we are. And so what we do has an impact on other people. Uh, my, my position as a pastor, if I go out there and I get pulled over for uh, DWI, anybody here going to be like, yay, that's my pastor. Be like, you're fired. <laughs> right? You don't want nothing to do with me. Um, but if I, if I get persecuted for my faith and I respond in a loving way and I'm still being gentle and I'm doing kind, what's that going to say about Christians as a whole? Right? Man, these guys are different. They really believe this message. So we just have to remember that what we are doing to stand together is representing all of us. So we have to stand together, but we also have to work together to advance the gospel. And I know many, if not all of you, are doing something to do that. Uh, so let that be an encouraging thing. If you are doing part to advance the gospel, I'm sure you can recognize what others of you around this room are doing. But we, we make up the body of Christ. We all need to do something. My eyes see something. My feet tell me where to go. or, or My feet get me there to, to, for what my eyes are seeing. And my hands tell me to pick up what my eyes saw that told my feet to go to. Right? We all work together to get this. We are all a team uh, in order to advance the gospel. And we cannot do it all on our own, right? If we just had um, just the deacon board to do everything, that'd be really difficult. If we just had the Sunday school teachers, if we only had people giving money, we, we couldn't function really well. Everybody's got to be doing their part, and everybody's got to be doing something. That's the way God designed it. There's lots of ministry opportunities inside this church. There's Awana. There's VBS. There's Sunday school. Uh, there's, there's even getting up here to help lead the music, right? There's uh, being the ushers, walking up and down the aisles. There's a numerous things that we can do to be a part of advancing the gospel inside these walls. But there's also ministries outside this church uh, to verbally get out there and share the message with our coworkers, with our neighbors, inviting them over for a meal with, with the intention of trying to develop this relationship with them so that we can share the gospel with them. So I just want you to think about what is your part in the body of Christ? What part are you doing and 
Uh, are you doing it the best that you can? Because we are a body. We, we will function only the best that we can if everybody's doing something and they're doing their part well. And this is going to result in, if we are living out the body, uh, living our lives in a manner worthy of the body of Christ, it's going to result in some, some, some things. Um, the, besides the fact that you're going to be walking around as this testimony uh, to the whole wide world, uh, Paul lists a couple of things here in verses 28 to 30. Um, it says, which is to them. So if we're, if we're conducting ourselves worthy of the gospel of Christ, it says it is a proof of perdition to our adversaries, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now hear that, I, that is still in me. So Paul is saying that if you're going to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, the world is going to see this, and it's going to be proof to, of them of perdition. It's going to be proof to them of their destruction that they are going to lose. You know, I think about uh, the stories that I've read about uh, martyrs for Christ and people who have died for their faith. And how at, there's lots of times where the person who's persecuting the Christian turns out to be the person who's persecuted because they're a Christian. Because they have seen the testimony that these people have and they say, this is really true. A quote that I came up across says, It is not possible for a Christian to stand firm under persecution and for the world to dismiss it as nothing. It is evidence of a supernatural power. It is impossible for them to witness what you're willing to go through and say, well, that person is just a sorry sucker. They are going to witness that the only way you're able to get through this is because somebody or something is helping you to get through this. So it's a proof to them. They may not get it yet, but at some point I guarantee they'll get it that that salvation that you're standing for was true. Hopefully it's here on earth. Either that or it's going to be in hell uh, for all eternity. So it's a proof that they are going to be defeated, but it's a proof of their salvation. It's a proof of the one who's going through that, that you know what, I really do believe this. You know, because persecution uh, proves somebody's faith one way or another. That no, I was just kind of in it for the ride and this hope that I was going to get to heaven without suffering. Or that, you know what, I'm in this for no matter what. Uh, it's, it's going to be proof to you that, yes, I do believe this. I, no one's going to die for something that they don't believe in. If you die for it, you believe in it. So it's going to prove your faith or your salvation to you but it's going to also prove your, your belief or your salvation to other people. But it's also an opportunity to suffer. Yes, it is an opportunity to suffer. It says in verse 29, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ. Granted as if it's a good thing. As if I'm giving you something that you would like to have. Uh, and it's, and it, the funny thing about this is it something that you can choose to have or something you can choose not to? Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Whoever wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You don't want to be persecuted? You don't have to be. You can walk around and, yeah, I'm a Christian and no one really knows and there's nothing I do about my life that shows any difference. The world's going to like you and, and you can just get through this life hunky-dory. But if you're going to live for Jesus, if you're going to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, people are going to see a difference. They're, they can't help it. Your speech is going to be different. The way you respond, your, the, the way, just the way you uh, deal with the way you work, you know, everything about you is going to stand out differently. And if you do that thing, you are going to be persecuted. 
People are going to do that because they are not going to like the difference that there's going to have to be because you can't be 100% a citizen of earth and 100% citizen of the kingdom of God. Maybe 95% of that will agree, but that 5% has to be different. You can't. You have to choose which side that you are on. You are a good citizen of the U.S. You know how to follow the laws, uh, even the crazy laws that we don't even agree with. We, we know how to follow those. You know, uh, nobody in here uh, has a search warrant or has, has a warrant out for your arrest. Nobody here is afraid the cops are going to show up at their door tonight to try to haul them off to prison. You would be considered a good citizen. You follow the laws. I mean, I don't get the paper, but there's nobody who's blabbing around that you are robbed the bank, right, or, or, or got the speeding ticket or whatever it is that you could possibly be listed in for. So we know how to be a good citizen on earth. And what we have to remember is make sure that we are a good citizen of heaven. And so I want to ask you, what kind of citizen have you been of heaven? How have you been doing this last week where you feel like, you know what, I was a pretty good citizen. I feel like uh, the things that I said honored God, the things that I did, that when God looks at me, he says, yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. Are you a good citizen of heaven or are you a good citizen on earth? You just, at some point, there, there's got to be a choice between the two. So what have you been? Have you been a good citizen or not? I just want to close with uh, your bulletin. Uh, there's a little uh, poem or quote at, at the bottom of the list of things that happened that I came across. It says, it's, I don't know who wrote this. But I just want, to th I want you to think about this. I want to think about your citizenship in heaven, how your life has been, how your life might look going forward, and being a good citizen of the kingdom of God. It says, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithful or true, just what is the gospel according to you. So I want to challenge you, is I have to challenge myself to make sure that I am a good citizen of the kingdom of God, even though I'm so far away from there right now. I need to live as if I am there right now. And we need to make sure that we are standing, that we are unified together, so that when one of us goes to work in the bank, we know that someone else is doing this in the oil field. Someone else is doing this in the school. Someone else is doing this when they're walking into the post office, right? That we are all united and for the same goal. And we, and we need to make sure that we are working together to accomplish this goal. What, what is your life saying uh, as, as far as the gospel when people are reading your life? Is it something that's honoring God or something that's dishonoring God?